kind of tell you what has been happening, what will be happening, lays out for you kind of the future of our church. Um, Our community meeting today starts way back. It starts, hold on. Yeah, it starts with the human yearning for the transcendent. Our community meeting starts with the human longing for the spiritual life, the human drive or desire to connect with that which is bigger than self, to connect with that which is bigger when we are in nature or when we are seeing the mountains or the sunsets, the bigger that comes when we see the miracles of life, such as life itself or consciousness or a new baby birth, the bigger that is within us in those sacred moments that we experience in the cathedral or in the garden, the bigger that is within us that calls for the deepness and calls for significance and meaning. And that yearning for the spiritual life is integral to human experience. But as happens cyclically throughout church history, the institutional church has in many ways in our generation lost its way. So instead of helping people find that deep inner yearning, sometimes the institution can act like carbon monoxide. What carbon monoxide does is that it looks like oxygen, it smells and tastes like oxygen, it bonds to the hemoglobin just as oxygen does, it gets carried through the bloodstream to the muscles just as oxygen does, but when it gets there, it is not oxygen, and because it is not, cellular respiration doesn't happen, and though it looks like O2, Though it acts like O2, in the end, it ends up suffocating the person who breathes it in. And for many of us on our spiritual journeys, the institutional church looked and smelled and acted like it would meet the deep spiritual longing, the yearning, that human experience that drives us. But in the end, we found ourselves suffocating. And so... The primary mission for our community has been to figure out how we can follow Jesus in a way that restores life, in a way that affirms life, in a way that awakens us and satisfies those deep longings, those deep yearnings. And in many ways, we have succeeded. In many ways, as a community, we have found a way to follow Jesus that awakens our experience. But in the last decade or so, it has been particularly affirming to discover that all across the nation and all across the world, other Christian communities have been on exactly the same journey that we have been on. Like us, they have been questioning, hold on just a second, teens, you can go now! Woohoo! <laughs> Like us, they have been questioning the traditional church practices. And like us, these communities have been questioning 
uh, the traditional way that we talk about the church doctrines. And like us, they have been re-examining the way that we tell the story of God, the way that we tell the story of Jesus, and the way that we tell the story of the spiritual life. So, in their search, I am surprised at how frequently I find them hitting on the same three core values that we have hit upon. And the three core values that we that have characterized NRCC have been an authentic, safe, tolerant community, a free and a vibrant and a life-affirming spirituality, and a rising sense of mission to repair the earth, to make things on earth as they are in heaven. And it's these three core values that are going to frame the practicalities of our community meeting today. Because these things are leading us to the life we are finding. Our community's fruitfulness is measured by how we're doing helping one another experience these three spiritual realities. Now in the summer, LaDonna and I asked you to take a survey. And you may have recognized beneath the questions that there was a structure. And the structure was community, spirituality, and influence, or repairing the earth. The surveys taught us a lot. And um, we'll be working on it together for some time to come. Today I won't be able to cover all the direction that we have gained from that survey, but I will hit the main points, the things that we'll be hitting on first. First of all, there is a lot, there was a lot indicated in the survey for us to celebrate. Here's what you told us over and over again. You are experiencing community at NRCC. You are acting in ways that are both tolerant and accepting, and in turn, you are receiving tolerance and acceptance from other people. Again and again, you noted that you have stopped feeling the need to hide your shortcomings, to keep your failures hidden, because you're recognizing in this posture of grace that you have the ability here to live an open life and a real life. Many of you indicated that you're finding spiritual friendships that are helping you move forward on your own spiritual journey. Also, you're finding NRCC to be an inclusive place, a place that you feel accepted when you're up and a place that you feel accepted when you're down, that you are accepted here when you're doubting your faith or when you have absolute certitude about your faith, when you're on top of sin and you've got that all mastered and licked, and when you are struggling with sin and you don't yet have that under control. You are finding that shame and condemnation are seeping out of the edges of your lives. Those things are slowly slipping away as you're coming to embrace the message of grace Embrace the message of love. One spoke for many and said, I don't know if it was a he or she from the survey, but said that he or she had been wearing a lifelong mask and that it was beginning to drop and didn't any longer need to keep that mask on. So you are experiencing community. Also, you indicated that you are growing spiritually. Being part of the community, being uh, steeped in the values, uh, engaging in the practices, involved in the relationships, you're finding your lives in the midst of transformation. What you told us is that you are having a deepened sense of God, a better way of framing your experience of God, and a better capacity to access the inner voice. 
You have a deeper sense of wisdom than you once had, some of you said, and some things that you once struggled with no longer have as powerful a hold on you as they once did. You're beginning to feel a deepened freedom about your spiritual life. You're freed from the constraints of dogma, and you've stepped away from a rule-driven spiritual life, and you've been able to embrace the freedom of the dance with the divine that we have been talking about. You also feel the freedom to not have all the answers sorted out, but to be on the journey. And you're learning to listen for the voice of God as it pertains to your particular life as opposed to a derivative or a second-hand set of standards that you must follow as your religion. The other thing that was noted several times is that by understanding the historical context around the ancient truths, you have been better able to integrate truth into your life better able to integrate wisdom into your life. You have less of a sense of ought or should or supposed to, and you have more of a sense of, oh, that's how this works, and that has capacitated you to have a better integration into your life. So, that's some good stuff. On our quest to have a free and awakening spirituality, this is some pretty good news. And... In our quest for authentic, spiritually tolerant community, this is some good news. So take a moment and be happy. (laughs) Put a silly grin on your face. (laughs) This is pretty good stuff. Now, if we were clapping people, I would encourage you to clap. And I just have to ask, are we clapping people? We're clapping people. Now, there's a spiritual principle that is always at work. Again, I apologize for the slide. That was very beautiful when it was it's on my computer. Um, better, but still blue. And the spiritual principle is this. To fully experience the precious things that we have to fully experience the precious things that we stumble upon in our lives, to fully experience the precious things that we gain in our lives, we need to give them away. We learn that principle early on in the spiritual journey with our money. But it applies to love, and it applies to kindness, and it applies to goodness, and it applies to the kind of spiritual vitality that we have been experiencing together. We have discerned and we have discovered and we have found something precious and it is to us to give it away. Jesus used the image of hiding a light under a bushel, how silly that is, or lighting a candle only to put it under the bed. We we don't do those kinds of things. Now, we can't give away what we are experiencing to everybody, but we can give it away to more than we are currently giving it to. You heard me say in the past that we could be a church of about 200 people attending on Sundays without losing the dynamic that we have together as a community that's creating this kind of life and without having to do any kind of restructuring. And so my hope is that relatively quickly we can absorb about 60 more people into our community to invite them into the experience of community and spirituality and repairing of the earth, to invite them into relationships, to invite them into that kind of experience. Then, Maybe next time, uh, this year, um, about this time next year, 
With just a few minor shifts, like enlarging the 9 o'clock lesson, we could perhaps even grow to be a community of 300. 300 attending means that we have 400 in the community, and at that point we're going to stop growing on this campus, and we're going to begin to look at decentralizing and going to other places. Um, The reason, a, a good litmus test for when we've grown too far is when we can no longer do, what are you thinking? Because what that does is that shows us that we can recognize and know one another in these different settings. But as we think about giving away what we've experienced, it is important to note that we're not a church for everybody. And you intuitively knew this on the survey. Uh, You were quite concerned about inviting newcomers to a church that doesn't look like a normal church and doesn't act like a normal church. Uh, But I want to encourage you all in that slight discomfort that you had that we don't want to invite people uh, who are looking for normal church. Uh, We're after the people who are feeling suffocated in church as it is commonly practiced. There's lots and lots of really good churches, uh, some of which we used to be part of and that were very helpful in our lives. But somewhere along the journey, that turns from something useful and fruitful, and it becomes something suffocating. And the people who are not feeling suffocated... That was us just a few years ago, and so we want to celebrate where they are. We want to love them. They are our brothers and our sisters, um, but we aren't looking for them. And so the fact that people would come in and see our church acting and feeling unnormal or atypical um, as churches go, that's not a bad thing for us. We're looking for people who have left the church, who were in search of a spiritual life, but who couldn't satisfy that spiritual hunger and longing in the traditional church. And demographic studies tell us that there are truckloads of them. There are lots and lots and lots of them in Raleigh. Many, many people are leaving the church and on the search for a deepened spiritual life. That's true in Raleigh. It's true in America as it is true in Western Europe. All we have to do is find them and offer them what we have been experiencing. One quick note that I'll come back to, but first I'll let you just absorb the slide. (laughs) It's really funny. You made it very, very clear that you are not, 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 you are not proselytizers. All right? The very thing that makes you happy at NRCC makes it very, very difficult or you are dead set opposed to proselytizing anyone. So don't worry. I might invite you in some areas to get out of your comfort zone, but it isn't going to be to get out of your comfort zone in order to sell NRCC or in order to sell God. The folks that we're looking for are really hungry for what we are experiencing For them, what we are experiencing at NRCC is a cup of water for thirsty souls. The people who are looking for us are overwhelmingly grateful to find that a place like us exists. Um, I will talk to you about our new website in a couple of weeks. Uh, It's in the midst of a revamp, but since we've published the public part of it, it has acted as a filter. It keeps people away for whom we are not a fit. The people who find us recently can't believe we're here. 
I hear this all the time from newcomers. One of the things that I regularly do is take newcomers out for coffee after they've come back two or three times. Um, And they will say things all the time like, I have just been looking for a place like this. I didn't even know that church like this existed. I read your website. I can't believe that people believe that. I believe that. I, I can't believe that people are exercising these kinds of practices. I believe that. And and so the people that we're looking for are just ecstatic to find us. We don't have to persuade anyone because if we have to persuade people, there are other churches that are much slicker than we are that uh, will fit into a, um, an existing paradigm. So throughout the fall, you're going to be hearing about some tools that we've designed to help us let, know, let people know that we are here. And we'll do that without ever having to be salespeople and we'll do it without ever having to proselytize anyone. And at the end of the meeting, I'm going to introduce you to Betty and to Michael, and they are going to give you some tools to help uh, you in The survey also told us that we have some areas to work on, especially if we're going to be inviting according to our three core values. What are our three core values again? Community? Influence. You can see it on the bulletin. Where's the bulletin? I just saw one here. Look at your bulletin right there. You've got it on the cover every week. Community, spirituality, and influence. The first area that we're going to work on has to do with transmitting these three core values, community, spirituality, and influence. And influence kind of sounds like um, a hierarchy, so let's maybe shift that to in our thinking to repairing the earth. Uh, Spirituality, community, and making the earth a better place, bringing, bringing the kingdom of God to bear on our city. Overall, the survey says that we've been pretty pleased with our children and our teens' ministry. Richard and Braxton and Andy and the Wentworths have done a very good job teaching our teens uh, on Sundays. The survey says that the teens are pretty engaged. They're actively involved in learning. A little bit less Joan of Arcadia for the teens, but that's already in motion. Also, Teresa has done a great job organizing lots of us uh, to teach and to lead songs and to tell stories to our elementary children. But to effectively transmit these core values to our young people, there are at least three things we need to be working on this year. The first is our elementary curriculum, uh, K through 5. Several noted that we are teaching what we're teaching our adults is often at odds with what we're teaching our kids. Um, We're too small a community to write our own curriculum, so we buy our curriculum from a publishing house, and publishing houses tend to swing um, to two extremes. We have not Christian at all publishing houses, not Christian at all curricula, and then we've got um, very traditional Christian and very, uh, uh, I'm kind of ensconced in history, traditionalist approach. And um, several times I've had teachers come to me over these last many months and say, Doug, you just did this lesson all about salvation or all about prayer, or all about the nature of God and so forth, and you spent weeks and weeks dismantling the common assumptions that negatively affect our spiritual lives, and now I've got this curriculum that I'm going to be teaching next week, and everything that you dismantled, it says I've got to stand here and teach the kids. <laughs> and I just don't know what to do about that. I, I can't teach it to our kids, or worse, I, I, I do teach it to our kids, I don't have anything else, but I feel really bad about it, and uh, so... Now, I knew this was a problem before 
uh, we did the survey, and I'd already formed uh, a group of ladies that are helping us make some good progress on this. I, I mentioned earlier that there are several Christian communities who are going through the same kind of transition that we are going through, and so this curriculum group has contacted some of those churches, and we are getting several promising leads of how to uh, help put together a curriculum that will be a better match for us, and we should have this problem solved relatively quickly this fall. The second thing the survey said is that, um, well, one of the things that was indicated by the survey indirectly was that we need to restructure how we do our elementary ministry. But we can't talk about this without talking about this. After a long and storied career serving in our children's ministry, Teresa Luke is retiring. And she left open the possibility of returning someday, but for now she needs the bandwidth for her life. And so when you see Teresa, you give her a big kiss on the cheek and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. She served our kids for more than a decade. Now I overheard talk that we'll be giving Teresa um, a formal thank you later on, but don't wait. You express your gratitude as soon as you see her for the years that she has faithfully served our kids. But even before Teresa retired, the curriculum team noticed that if we tweaked the Sunday structure, it would serve better for how we um, can transmit our values to our children. And there's some good ideas coming up, and when we get to the end, I will give you some examples of that. You will hear lots of energy going toward our children in this fall. And again, when we finish this morning, I'll give you an opportunity to uh, express interest in being involved in the transition. The third thing um, that uh, the survey indicated was that our teens need more than Sunday times together. Yep, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) To form spiritual community, they need some social events and some community service events. Teenagers tend to cluster with people that they know. We've got a word for that phenomenon. We call it clicks. When Aaliyah was here, we formed spiritual community very effectively. First, we worked really hard to get 100% participation in our teen events. And then when our teens were together at the events, inevitably we had conflicts and we had this uh, separation and we had these things happen. And that's when we went to work We went to work teaching our young people about authentic, tolerant, spiritual community, and we have in the past been very effective leading our kids into these core values. But when we had to lay Aaliyah off, our events took a hit, and the survey indicates that we need to reinstate that approach. And praise be to God for Jolie Faison. Jolie, stand up. (laughs) Say hello. Thank you. God bless you. She has stepped in this year and set up a calendar of events for our teens, one a month for the whole year. She's getting parents and other people to organize and execute each one of the events. The hammocks are doing two pool parties, one of them today, uh, one of them next May this year. And Jolie gets stuff done, man, I tell you. She's already got, I think last I heard, nine of the 12 events already have organizers assigned to them, and they're ready to go, so in the days to come, give accolades to the lady. She is doing well. I really miss Jim Amundsen in this regard because Jim fostered community and spirituality through poker. (laughs) 
Now, his games purported to be about poker, but they were really about gathering young men to be influenced by older men. My son received a lot of man training, a lot of character training in virtue and the way of living a good life at Jim's poker games. So if you feel a nudge to step in and coordinate times for young men and old men to get together and play chameleon together, that would be, uh, that would be a good thing to do. You'll have a chance to indicate that in a moment. <clears throat> this fall, we're going to be working on transmitting these core values to our children and our teams in age-appropriate ways, and we'll be successful to the degree that we work on it together. So as you hear about opportunities, I encourage you to participate. The second area that the survey indicated we needed help and we needed to work on was that when we form community together, we've got a lot of very good raw material to work with. We've learned how to be honest together. We've learned how to be transparent and trusting and trustworthy together. But even so, it's still difficult to find our way, for many of us at least, to find our way into authentic spiritual friendships. We're good at it when we get the chance, but it's hard sometimes to get the chance. On Sunday mornings, we provide food and we provide time and space for community building, but when people first come, that's a pretty intimidating proposition. Both of my kids are going off to college, and I've heard from them separately the question, even at this uh, adult age, who am I going to sit with when I eat? (laughs) And uh, it, it is a problem. So even for those of us who have been here for a while, we need some clearer steps to walk through in order to find and to form spiritual friendships. So, together this fall, we'll be working on making those opportunities happen in ways that are as accessible as possible. Throughout the fall and the winter, you're going to hear uh, about opportunities to get to know people better, uh, and we're going to try and do that in a way that works around the reality that we have busy lives. Before I give you a couple of examples, uh, I want to take a moment and appreciate again something wonderful that has happened in our community. Uh, It may not seem as wonderful to you as it does to me, so let me frame it for you. I'm going to start by talking about this picnic that's coming up on the 19th. A picnic is a relatively simple thing to organize. When the weather is nice, we drop our teens off at Cedar Hills Park in order to have their Sunday lesson there instead of having it here. And their early presence reserves for us a covered pavilion. And then after their lesson, they start cooking the hot dogs. We wear our comfortable picnic clothes to church. Then we leave directly from here. We stop by the store and get some potato salad or some such thing. And then we show up and we sit at picnic tables together, we put out folding chairs together, we play kickball together, we let our children run around to the playground together, we play frisbee golf together. Dads get to know one another as they watch over the kids, older women get to know younger women, and younger women get to know older women, and strangers sow seeds of trust and affection, and we eat together, and we laugh together, and we get to know one another. And that profoundly shifts and changes the way that a community dynamic exists. And a picnic is not a hard thing to put together. And though it profoundly impacts uh, the health of a community, 
it isn't a hard thing to get together, but we haven't had any picnics for at least two years, maybe three years now. And the reason is because of how much brain space I have. I know it's important, but I just haven't had any brain space to do all this rethinking and all the stuff that I'm focusing on with the spiritual formation of the church and have any brain space left over to do that. But on September 19th, we're going to have our first picnic in a long time, and let me tell you why. We're going to have it because Linda Rugg is here. And Linda attended the Help Me With Projects meeting that I invited people to be part of uh, at the beginning of the summer. And she said during that meeting, you know, I've got some time now. And I could, I'm semi-retired, and I could come and serve as a church secretary a couple of days a week. And I don't think many of us understand how profoundly this will impact the health and the well-being of our community. The picnic thing is just a small case in point. As I uh, mentioned, um, we will be having these opportunities for community forming in the fall. Well, Linda will be in many ways the one who can facilitate that happening. I, all I did was mention uh, in midsummer, you know, we should have a couple of picnics in the fall and a couple of picnics in the spring, and poof, they're on the calendar. Linda's making the calls. She's talking to the teens. She's got the thing organized. The announcement shows up, and oh, I didn't even have brain space. I just had an idea. Well, because of the um, backlog of things that have needed being done, Linda keeps thinking that she's going to get to that two-day-a-week part-time role pretty soon. Right now, she's doing the six-day-a-week part-time kind of role. And uh, so when you see Linda, be grateful. Be very, very grateful. Again, kiss her on the cheek as well. Uh, because Linda's taken on this role, you will see things happening. You will see picnics, and you'll hear about potlucks, and ways that you will be able to integrate into your life ways of making spiritual friendships. And so when they happen, make sure you take advantage of them. The second thing you'll be hearing about in the fall are groups. I also announced at the beginning of summer, uh, help me form groups meeting. Several people came, and just already on the basis of those, we have uh, about 10 groups that will already be forming for you to be involved in. Everything from a ladies' crafts group to talking through life issues to, I think, Matt's going to be doing one called the Life After the Meeting or Life After the Lesson, where they're going to be processing uh, what happens on Sunday mornings. And so... These kinds of things create the backbone of a spiritual community because even though, um, even though the people who participate in the group experience direct benefit themselves, the fact that a network of groups exists within the community strengthens all of the community. So I encourage you when you hear about them to be taking advantage of that. So you'll be hearing about events, you'll be hearing about groups, ways that we can work together toward spiritual friendships. The third area that the survey indicated that we'll be working on in the fall uh, has to do with uh, that third core value, repairing the earth or making things on earth as they are in heaven. Any community that follows Jesus, this is a critical part of that to make the earth a better place. And toward that end, Toward that end, I'll be giving some more attention to the CityServe team this fall. Right now, the CityServe team focuses on three annual projects. We do the food drive every fall. We get involved with the Kairos uh, ministry and do whatever support we can. And then we're starting to get involved with living waters, digging wells overseas in places that don't have clean water. So the CityServe team's assignment is to help us as a community work together to be repairs of the earth, as Jesus made it clear that we are to do. 
If God is, a, is love, then love requires justice and compassion and healing and restoration. And we're called to do that individually in all of our lives. But there's things that we can do collectively that we really couldn't do individually. And that's what the CityServe team is working on. And we'll be uh, giving more attention to that in the fall. If you'd like to be involved, again, there'll be an opportunity at the end. So, finally, we have to get our community on a solid financial footing. You heard me in July talk to you about the financial crisis we're facing. We have to pay off this line of credit by May of next year, $22,000. Beyond that, we have almost $6,000 that we are behind in the general fund. Last time I explained that to someone, there was a little confusion about that, so let me take a moment to explain that. We have two funds. We have the general fund and we have the benevolence fund. And money that is given for benevolence cannot be spend on, spent on general expenses. So we have two separate funds. But we put them both in one BB&T bank account. We, kept the, we keep them separate in our books, but we put them in one banking account. So because of that, we have about $4,000 in the benevolence fund. So when we are $4,000 overdrawn in the general fund, we're not bouncing checks. Now, we can't use the benevolence money. Even if someone has a benevolence need in the community, we can't use the benevolence money because if we did, we'd start bouncing checks. But it sits there in order to offset the balance that we have, the negative balance we have in the general fund. Sometimes it has happened that the general fund is more overdrawn than the $4,000 that we have in the benevolence fund. When that happens, we would bounce checks if we cashed paychecks. Or let me clarify, paycheck. <laughs> so what we do is we hold paycheck until um, paycheck can be cashed without bouncing checks. So in, really way, in many ways, we have two debts. We have the line of credit and we have the shortfall in the general fund. Between the two of them, there's still not a lot of money. We're talking about $28,000. The general fund shortfall doesn't threaten our existence uh, we could keep not using our benevolence money, even though people have benevolence needs. We could keep holding paychecks. We could keep doing that. That does not threat our, threaten our existence. It's not a very good practice. It's not what we want to be doing, but we could keep doing that. But the line of credit that comes due in May of 2011, the bank will call that amount. We must pay that amount. And as I explained in July, that does threaten our existence. When I told the community about this in July, several people came forward wanting to help, wanting to secure our community. When the August numbers come in and I give you the report, the progress report, I think you're going to be very encouraged. But even more encouraging than your response coming forward to say that we want to take care of this need has been something else that has happened. Right after I shared this with the community, Robin came to me and she said, Doug, this cannot be all on you. It's our community. It's not your community. And if we lose it, it will be costly to all of us. And so LaDonna had said something, where did go? LaDonna had said something similar to me uh, just a few days before. So I sent Robin to talk to LaDonna. And after they spoke, they came to me and they said this. <clears throat> in effect, Doug, you're spread too thin to be able to do the kinds of follow-through on things that are required in order to be effective. So, um, the things that 
can't afford to slip away right now. Uh, they have tended to slip away from us in the past because you get started on something, you get something going, but then 42 other things come, and so you don't follow through on that one to its completion. So uh, they gathered a handful of people together to work on getting us through this crisis of next May. They told me that they regret having used the word counsel to describe what they're doing because it's not a very accurate description. They said a better description would have been triage team because their objective is to get us through May and still be here. Uh, But when they went to work on this problem of this financial deadline, it highlighted a need for systems to be put into place in order for us to be able to work on the financial problem. Because all of a sudden, in trying to resolve the financial realities, they realized that we needed other things in place in order to succeed at that. Uh, We needed to have better communication systems. We needed to know who it was that we were going to be talking to. People needed to know uh, where we are and know who to talk to about what to do to put help. And we all needed to get systems in place so that many of us could put in some effort and move together in the same direction. And if the default person to talk to is Doug, then Doug's just tends to let things slip by. So they gathered a handful of people, thanks be to God, willing to serve us and who are not so much involved in heading up individual ministries. And their focus has been on these emergency kinds of things, but the systems involved in order to address those emergency kinds of things. Well, once I got started, just a few weeks ago, many weeks ago, uh, they inherited a backlog of small fires that I had created. (laughs) So they're kind of up to their ears right now, but when they get some of that backlog processed and sorted through, they hope to turn the triage team into a proper church council or a proper ministry council, including uh, nominated and elected representatives. But for now, they're just trying to get us through May and succeed. Yesterday, Robin described uh, what the community needs and said, a lot of things are happening at NRCC. Really good things are happening. And the future seems to indicate that there will be even more things happening uh, and lots of people doing lots of things. But what we haven't been very good at is coordinating a lot of those things that we are doing. So um, we're not unlike a train switching station. Lots of trains coming into the station, but what we need now is someone to talk to all the trains and say, hey, as you're coming in, it's time for you to pause, let this one go by. Okay, now you can come. Now this, we have to have a coordinative place, a coordinative body. And eventually I'm going to ask uh, the triage team to help us form a proper council with all roles clearly delineated, all roles clearly defined. And then I will ask the community for nominations and we'll have an election. The triage teams thinks that they can get to that by January. I um, hold out the possibility that that might be a little optimistic. I think that it might take them a little longer than that, but they think they can get that done by January. But for now, they're helping us navigate through and still have our doors open in May of next year. They have taken the bull by the horns, and they are working to help us uh, from having to close our doors. They've done some pretty spectacular things already. Recognizing that we have a resource that we're not using very well at a time of need, they uh, have positioned us to be able to generate income from the use of our facility. Lots and lots of groups 
would love to use our facility and are willing to pay for it. So LaDonna spent about four hours on Craigslist finding groups that are functioning in and around Raleigh, and then she turned it over to Bob, and she sicked Bob on these people, and Bob went after them and come to find out the man is a shrewd negotiator. (laughs) And so Bob has negotiated some really good prices, and already they have generated enough potential income over the course of this time between now and May that they, just by using our facility more effectively, will already uh, pay off a third of our line of credit. So give them a hand, would you? Just... So on Saturday mornings, we have a Jewish, uh, Messianic Jewish congregation that meets here. Um, they, I don't know exactly what that means, but they have really nice costumes. <laughs> and then we've got a yoga class meeting here, and I think there's two or three other, uh, other things that are happening already. Um, but in the process of doing that and wanting to use our facility, it highlighted the need for clearer facility use policy kinds of things. Kind of like everything that we don't have a policy for. We need, we need to know we need better calendaring. We need better communicating. We need better systems by which people can find out when the, when the facility is available. So they're going through this backlog of things trying to figure out, okay, we need systems here and we need them immediately so that we can function s- smoothly again. So when I show you who they are in a moment, thank them. Again, go up to them and kiss them on the cheek. Um, they have stepped forward to serve us, and I really believe that they are assuring that we will be here and that we will do well. So triage members, stand up. Bob and Ann are out of town this week, but here they are. Stand up, Robin. Stand up, LaDonna. Stand up, Bobby. Come on. Stand up, Michael. That was kind of a lame (laughs) stand-up. I mean, you're not shy or anything. <laughs> there is. There is a truckload of stuff that they're doing. I express all kinds of gratitude to them. All right, so that's where we're heading this coming year. We are opening our hearts and our doors to 60 more people for whom NRCC can be a cup of cool water. We're doing better at transmitting our values to our children and to our teens, better curriculum, better structure for our elementary, and better teen events. We're going to do better at creating opportunities for people to form spiritual friendships, community-forming events, as well as many groups existing. And we, are, we have created a triage team that's going to help us get ourselves on a solid financial footing, create systems that we can have uh, a coordinating, collaborating structure in place, perhaps even by the new year. So I want to give you an opportunity to uh, participate in the things that are coming up this coming year by expressing your interest. So if you don't have one of these, look around. Uh, there should be one nearby you. grab one. Again, visitors, we apologize that you came on a week when we're having our community meeting, but uh, at least you know how we work. Um, So everyone have one? Anyone need one? Looks like Judy needs one over here. Uh, Pencils also? Anybody need pencils? (laughs) Sorry, can't help you with glasses. Pencils, anyone? Pencils, two for five. (laughs) 
I think there's probably only one person in the room who knows what that means. <laughs> okay, so if you put your name on that, you don't have to put any contact info on there unless you don't think we have it. If you've been getting emails, if you got an email reminding you about the community meeting this morning, then uh, you don't need to put your contact in. Put your name on it and then look at me. After your name is on it, then look at me. Because we're going to work through this together. Very stylish glasses, babe. Oh, they're bobbies. Well, they look good on you. Okay. The first thing, I want to talk to you a little bit about our elementary ministry. Here's been the problem. We have kindergartners and we have fifth graders in the same room. And it's a lesson to a kindergartner and we bore the fifth grader out of their mind. We go to give a lesson to the fifth grader and the kindergartner is bouncing off the walls like a Super Bowl. So that's been a problem, and we have just kind of thrown you ill-prepared in because your name was on the list and said, okay, your turn to teach elementary, and we send you back there into that lion's den, all right? (laughs) So the curriculum group said, as we're forming a curriculum, we want to take a different approach, and we want to have a rotating station approach, and that is we're going to have four groups. The lesson will be all together, so there's really three groups. We're going to have a group that has an age-appropriate craft offered three times because we'll break the groupings into three different groupings, and they'll go to a craft together, three uh, different groups, uh, different age groups, in order to uh, reinforce the lesson. And then we're going to have a uh, game station uh, that will also be three age-appropriate groupings to uh, reinforce the lesson. And then we'll have a prayer and share group, again, to form community with our groups. And what that will be is getting age-appropriate or age, uh, the same, similar kids together and asking them, how can we pray for you this week? How has your week been? We do kind of what we do here on Sunday mornings. Where have you seen the winds of God blowing in your life today? And so sharing that together and forming community. And so we are going to form then three teams plus a group of teachers, people who are gifted at being teachers. So if you're good at doing a craft, or if you're good at doing games, or if you're good at this prayer and share element that we're going to have, um, then I would encourage you to check that box. And if you would indicate one of, I think I put that on the list that I put those three things on there. Yes, and if you would then circle the one that you would be interested in participating with. We hope to have three or four people on each one of these teams, and by having them, you would uh, um, be there either once a month or uh, once every three weeks or something like that. All right, so that explains that one. I want to talk to you about the second one, the preschool coordinator. And you see that and you think, oh, preschool coordinator, that's not me. But I want to tell you a little bit about this. Uh, Teresa is retiring, but she has agreed to take on this role for a few more weeks. We have people to watch over our babies. We tend to be able to recruit them pretty well. What we haven't had is someone who does a little bit more than the scheduling. We need someone to think about our children from birth through uh, kindergarten and to watch over the ministry and to to contend for that ministry's well-being. And I hope there will be more than one of you who will check that box. Let me explain a little bit about why. I'm a nice guy. I have it in my genes. It's in my genes to be nice. 
I wouldn't have chosen a pathway where I would have to purposely offend and alienate wonderful people on their religious journeys. Because I don't go around looking for fights. I go around looking to bridge harmony between people who are fighting. But in the process of going on this spiritual journey that I have gone on, I have alienated some really wonderful people. And I have pushed away some people that I had great affection for. And why in the world would I do this? And I do it because my children will not have a church to go to if I don't. My grandparents' generation, my grandmother's name was Lorna, and she was a Bible teacher. And her generation passed to their offspring 64% participation in the church. In other words, they, gave, they handed over to their children a church that worked for them. And it worked for them considerably. And it worked for them in large numbers. My daughter is going to have children one day. And when she passes, uh, when her generation passes the church off to them, it'll be 4%. Down from 64% to 4%. And the reason that so many of our young people are not making the transition into a church is that we haven't defined the norms for them theologically. We haven't defined for the norms for them uh, in our praxis, our, our orthopraxis or orthodoxy in a way that they can access. And we're doing that. We're doing some hard work of rethinking what it is to follow Jesus. And so that would mean that an ideal candidate for our church would be parents of young children. An ideal candidate for our church would be people who are concerned about transmitting a form of religion that will work for their children. So that was, they would be ideal candidates for to come to NRCC. However, we make it really hard for parents of young children to come to NRCC. Many times we ask young moms to serve in the nursery. Now, if you were once a young mom, you think back to what it was like when you had young children. And you come to church only to watch the same children you've been watching all week long. And you will ask the question quite reasonably, what's the point? What's the point of coming to church? I was just talking to one family that just recently left our church, and they love our church. But they said, I'm just too tired to come to your church. <laughs> and so we, have, we don't offer child care at our events, and that's begin because of my administrative lack, because I just can't get my head around the fact that, that, that I'd have to organize child care in addition to organizing the content of what we're going to talk about at our meetings. Uh, we don't have a playground. Um, in the first lesson, there was some talk about, hey, for 100 bucks we could do this and this and this and this, and so you might be hearing a workday, Mike, we might need to talk about this. They did some talk about what a playground might look like. Um, so, older parents, people who don't have children, uh, I want you to think back to the time when you were tired and the time when you were worn thin and how you needed other folks to facilitate your spiritual journey by being present during those times. Now, a big part of us being fruitful in this area has to do with someone or several someones taking on a ownership role of our preschool age kids, that is the nursery and the toddlers. So I want you to consider carefully and selflessly if you would like to talk about that and if you would go ahead and check that box. Okay, number three, 
organize a teen event this year? You can come up with your own idea for a teen event that if you want, but Julie has already got the ideas in place. We just need, uh, how many more do you need, Julie? You just need, we need a handful more who will either do the event that she's laid out, you know, organize the bowling night or organize whatever the, we got one to uh, movies at the museum night or whatever the thing is going to be, you would just have to coordinate and organize it or you can come up with your own if you're interested, check that box. Yeah. Also, Tim is in town a lot of weeks and works with our middle schoolers, but sometimes he's out of town. And so we're looking for more middle school teachers. Now, not everybody can handle middle schoolers. It's kind of a gift. If you've got that gift, please check that box. We would really like to talk with you this year. Uh, the CityServe team. Remember I told you uh, from our Jewish heritage comes that term Tikkun Olam, which means repairers of the earth. It means uh, that if you are a follower of Jesus, we go out and we fix what is broken. We bring redemption to the earth around us. Now, you can do a lot of that. Just live in your life, uh, at your job and in your community. But there's things that we can do together. And if you'd like to be part of the CityServe team that's figuring out how we as a community can do that, check that box. Uh, Number six there, if uh, you have questions or if you have comments for the triage team, fill that out there. And then finally, I want to talk to you about uh, this non-proselytizing thing we're going to do. All right? Um, I've created uh, a website that you can visit later on today. Uh, It still needs some tweaking, but it's almost ready for publication. Sometimeschurchhurts.com. And I've created that website because it has a self-selecting capacity within it. If someone sees that URL and they are dead set opposed to church, they're not going to go there. If someone sees that and they're very comfortable inside their existing church context, they're not going to go there. And that's half the battle right there. We have eliminated people going there that we don't want going there. But some people will see that and say, yeah, I understand sometimes church hurts. These are people that we are hoping have not given up on church totally, but are not able to find that deep longing that we started our meeting with um, in the context of the traditional church. And these are people that we want to talk to. And so go look at that website. All we're going to do as a community is just try and get that URL out there. And we're going to get it out there several ways. We're going to get it out there um, in the back Betty will be sitting at a table, and she'll have a little Ziploc bag for you. And in that Ziploc bag, there are some push pins, and there is, are some business cards that say, sometimeschurchhurts.com. And that's all. And when you go get your coffee, you will see that every Starbucks and every Caribou and every place you go has a community bulletin board, and you don't have to proselytize a soul. All you have to do is just slink up there quietly so no one sees you. <laughs> 
because I know it would be just be mortifyingly embarrassing to do it. <laughs> and then you just have to just sneak this thing up with a push pin. That's all you got to do. And then next week when you go back and somebody has taken that card and said, I'll be interested in that, all you have to do is do it again. And that's all right. You just keep this in your glove box. And whenever you go get your coffee, you just put up your little card that says that. We're also going to hire some, or we're going to bribe the teens, really, with pizza uh, to go to the local market and to put some of these on people's doors, you know, on the car doors, so as they're going by. So that's not quite as offensive as a flyer. Uh, it's still a little bit offensive, I know, but not quite as offensive. We, hey, we were going to ask you to do bumper stickers, all right? You could just thank me that we didn't do bumper stickers. <laughs> So we're going to uh, get the URL out there. Also, Michael, where did my, I just saw Michael walk out a second ago. Uh, he might be getting ready. He's got uh, real estate signs, and we're going to put the real estate signs out wherever people put real estate signs. We're going to get the teenagers involved in doing that. And through the course of the fall, you're going to hear opportunities where you could just do a very simple thing of letting, getting that URL out there. And... Um, so, in the lobby today, you'll see Michael and Betty both there. Swing by them, pick up a packet wherever you get copy or wherever you know that there's a public bulletin board, put one of those up. All right, that's it. That's where we're going this year. And I have to say, I love this community. Um, I have for, what, 14 years, 13 years, gone to bed at night, every night, wanting more health, and more fruitfulness for our community. But in all that time, I don't think I've ever gone to bed at night more hopeful than I am going to bed lately. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you, uh, many of you who have come forward to help us navigate this financial need that's before us. I want to thank the many of you that have come forward to help with our do some projects stuff that we've been working on this summer, and we got a lot done this summer. I want to thank those of you who are going to be leading groups as we go into the fall. I want to thank those of you who are going to help take care of our children and our teenagers. I want to thank Linda. Oh, by the way, she wasn't here when I announced her. Tell Linda thank you. I want to thank Linda for spending her semi-retirement on us. I want to thank the triage team for carrying the burden of getting us through this uh, next season and helping us ha develop a coordinated set of systems. I want to thank you for your continued financial support. I think the future for NRCC is looking very good. And God bless you.